um, you know, the, the preparation in, in place in, in order to pull it off. But we were, we were talking about it in our long drive across Kansas yesterday, yesterday or what, what day was that, Friday? Yeah, Friday night, we were driving across Kansas and we were talking about it. We had that all planned, and then my, then my littlest fell ill, so my wife is at home with him today. Uh, so today we're talking about being an encouraging community. And I almost called this being a celebrating community, but, uh, but encouragement and celebration, they're kind of they're like cousins, right? They're kind of brother and sister. And so uh, we want to be a community that is encouraging. Um, and so we want to receive the Lord's encouragement today. Uh, can I just uh, invite God's presence to speak to us through his word and hopefully through some of the things that I say? God, I thank you that you are with us this morning, Lord, that you are with us in the breaking of bread and the prayers, Lord, that uh, as we turn to your word and as we turn to hear you, Jesus, speak to us through the scriptures to help us not misuse them or misinterpret them, but God, that you would speak to us in a way that gives us life and that builds us up and that helps us keep going uh, along a long road. God, would you just be with us this morning? Would you speak to me? Would you speak to us? Would you encourage us and call us deeper into yourself? I just ask for these things in Jesus' name. Well, as I mentioned, uh, my wife and I uh, have been away at the National Vineyard Conference, and then we took a week to sort of like just process all the things that we experienced and learned in that time together with about, it was kind of like a scary number of a lot of people. Uh, it's like about 2,000 people. I think it was a very high vaccination rate. Um, but we, uh, we, you know, we, we wanted to be, take some time to just sort of process all that. And I, I come back to you encouraged and filled. I come back to you as a person who's received a lot from God. You know, I heard uh, a guy who's kind of a, a grandfather in our movement now. His name's Steve Nicholson. And uh, Steve has this reputation of whenever he preaches, then the Holy Spirit does stuff, right? Like people get healed or they shake or, you know, all kinds of powerful phenomena uh, seem to just follow him. And they, you know, he's like one of the dweebiest guys ever. I think like in one of the main sessions, the, the guy who followed him was making fun of his big Velcro shoes. You know, he's just, he's a very unassuming kind of guy. Uh, I think that's part of his, his mojo, honestly, is that it's not about him, it's about Jesus. But he... He said, you know, people come to him and say, what's, what's your secret? Like, what is it that you do? And he's like, you don't, you don't understand. It's nothing I do. It's what God did to me. It's what the Lord put in me. It's what happened to me. Uh, and it's what, the, it's what God does. And, and I'm just so encouraged and so built up by all the things that I saw God doing at this conference. And I come back to you just full of love and encouragement and uh, at the same time, I, I have to say, like, I, I feel so blessed and so grateful to be part of this church community. I, I was hanging out with all these pastors, and they're telling all these stories of, you know, oh, my, my church is cut in half. You know, we're, we're at 30% of where we were at before COVID. All these things have happened, all this political division, all of this strife, all this pain. And I just, I... I I don't want to be glib, and I don't want to, like, not have compassion. I don't want to, like, be like, well, ha-ha, that happened to you, not to me. But, like, I, honestly, like, I just feel so grateful that we have been spared. We have been spared so much of what so many churches have gone through. We have been protected and blessed and cared for by the Lord, and I'm so grateful for this community. I'm so grateful 
for the way that God is at work. And, and so as I start this little talk on encouragement, I want to start by just encouraging some, this church with some of the things that we're grateful for. You know, we're really grateful for the sincere love that is shared among people in this community. I'm just really built up and so encouraged by the ways that you all love each other and the ways that you all love me and the ways that we love you. Like, there are relationships that have been built over a long time and new relationships that are forming around this experience of real sincere love. Like, we actually, like, like and care about each other. And in those moments when we don't like <laughs> each other, we stick with it and we stay together and we keep showing up and we, we decide to love each other and we, we leave room, we make space to be patient on the Lord, to cultivate his love within us for each other. And I'm just so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the ways that over the last 18 months, two years, whatever time has lost all meaning, right, that, that we have stuck with each other, that we have really loved each other through this, through this last difficult season. And I'm grateful for that sincere love that God has placed in our hearts. I'm also grateful for the clear primary allegiance that I see in so many people in this church. So many churches have been pulled apart and just ripped to shreds by the political division, by the you know, strife and just controversy over the very real injustices in our world and uh, over everything that has happened in the last 18 months. And what I love about this church, one thing that I love about this community, and this might be a reason that we continue to stay uh, not the biggest church in Springfield, is that our primary allegiance is really clear. We are not seeking after uh, the, red, the red elephant or the blue donkey or even the eagle. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me recently. He said, you know, the, the, those who worship the red elephant, they hope that the red elephant will control the eagle. And those who worship the blue donkey, they hope that the blue donkey will control the eagle. But the eagle will bow before the lamb who was slain, who takes away the sins of the world. And our hope is not in the political power structures of this present evil age. Our hope is in Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, who stands exalted on his throne, the cross, in defiance and opposition to every worldly power who would corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. And Jesus stands exalted and resurrected, defiant and victorious over every evil human empire. And our trust is not in the ways of this world, but in the way of the cross and in the way of Jesus Christ. And I am so grateful and so honored to be part of a community that holds faithful to that gospel, to the hope that we have in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ who commands obedience from priests and kings and peasants and presidents in every human heart. He will judge all of those people, and our hope is in him. Our hope isn't in anything else. And I am so grateful to be a part of a community that makes our clear uh, allegiance, that makes our primary allegiance very clear. Um, shoot, I lost the slide. There it is. And then just finally, uh, the other thing I would say that I just want to encourage this community that I'm so grateful to be a part of, you all show up and you serve. You know, you show up to serve each other. We show up when it matters to serve our city in ways that are so not appropriate for the size of our church. Like the ways that you guys just punch 
above your weight class. And, and the ways that this community shows up to give what we have. We show up with our two loaves and our five fish, and God makes something happen that we couldn't dream of. And I just am so encouraged and so blessed to be part of a church where everybody gets to play, where everybody has something to give, and they give it. They give all that we have. And even if it doesn't seem like that much, it makes a difference. It makes an impact. And, uh, and I'm just honored. I'm just honored to be part of something like this. I believe the Lord has a word of encouragement for us. And, uh, you know, it happened, actually, it happened after the conference. Some wild, amazing things happened at the conference. I want you to watch the videos so you can kind of uh, see what people were talking about. You know, but a lot of what doesn't get captured in those videos is the prayer ministry times. It's the times when uh, people are responding to God in prayer. It's what we do at the end of this service where we invite people to say, hey, if you want God to do something, just come forward. And somebody we've trained to not be too weird will put their put their hand on your shoulder and they'll just invite God's presence and then like the Holy Spirit will do stuff. Your physical body will get healed or God will speak to you or you'll be encouraged or unburdened or whatever, whatever the Lord wants to do in that moment. Um, but, and there was a lot of like really powerful ministry time at this conference and I'm just, uh, I'm full of faith. I'm so encouraged to see what God is doing in his community, in his church. Uh, but something that happened to me the week after that, we went, we hung out at, uh, my granddad has spent way too much money on timeshares in his lifetime. Uh, and so he has like all these timeshare points and he's generous. So he just gives away timeshare points to the family. So we just say, hey, hey granddad, could we go stay here? And he's like, yeah, let me make the call. And, and he hooks it up uh, for us. And so we got to stay at a timeshare in this uh, little town called Pagosa, uh, Colorado. They have hot springs there. I never knew that smelling like a rotten egg could be so pleasant sit in this sulfur water and just soak and oh, it's nice. So anyway, we went and we hung out and we had this little cabin sort of building. It was sort of funky. It was very 90s-esque, the, the decor, but it had a fireplace. And uh, we, I went and I, I, this so goes against my values, but I went and I bought firewood. Can you believe it? I paid like $7 or $8 for a pack of, of, of wood. Like I, I could not believe that I was doing this, but it's like, hey, sometimes you just got to live a little, you know, we're going to buy firewood. Uh, and so I went and I bought firewood, and we, we, built a, we built a little fire in the fireplace in that place, and we spent a lot of time praying and talking, we got post-its out, we were you know, talking about the church, talking about the direction, all this stuff, but we had a lot of time to just rest, and a lot of time to just be with each other, remember why we're married, you know, just be, be together and enjoy each other's company. We watched a whole bunch of Downton Abbey, so much Downton Abbey. Uh, it, was, it was so relaxing. You know, it's like that show is just so great because it's like nothing happens and it's all really important, right? You know, like it just is it's all these, you know, people being kind of polite to each other and kind and it's just, you know, it's just pretty positive, that show. And Anyway, so, so we're watching Downton Abbey and, uh, you know, we built a lot of fires but there was this one time I was trying to get the fire started, and it just was not starting. I don't know why. It was like the wind was blowing the wrong way, or maybe the wood was a little wet, or I don't know what. You know, sometimes it just doesn't go, like, right away. You know, sometimes you light, you light one little piece of a torn-up paper bag, and the whole thing, you know, it's going. It's no problem, right? But this time, it just was not that experience. And I'm fiddling with it, and I'm fiddling with it, and I'm trying to get this fire going in the fireplace, and I'm just, you know, we're watching Downton Abbey, and 
kind of like distracted, kind of like, you know, I don't know if you have this problem, but like whenever there's a screen on, I have this thing, I don't know if it's being male or if it's just like, uh, I guess some, I, I don't want to genderize it, but like I, I, whenever there's a screen on, I kind of just turn into a zombie. I'm sort of just like, you know, it has this like kind of placating effect. When there's a screen, I just sort of like zone out and, I, and I'll be standing there. I kind of forget what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, the fire didn't start. You know, and I, so I'm kind of going back and forth and I'm just Downton Abbey trying to get the fire started. Downton Abbey. Going to, and eventually I finally, you know, it's like I had torn up like most of a whole paper bag. You know, I was like, I was like trying to just light it, you know, light the kindling again, light the kindling again, light the kindling again. And finally the fire gets going. And I felt like the presence of God came on me, and I just felt like the Lord spoke to me in a very small, still whisper of a voice, and he said, he said, that's what it's like sometimes to do my work. Sometimes you just have to keep trying. And you didn't have any stress while you were trying right, right now. You didn't have any stress. You weren't worried while you were trying to get that fire started. You knew that if you just kept lighting kindling, that it would that eventually you'd have a fire. You just keep trying. You just keep at it. And so I think one of the things that God wants to say to us, shoot, if I can get this thing to work. I need to go back one. Just this verse from Galatians 6 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Maybe just another metaphor is this idea of sowing and reaping, right? You know, that farmers know that you're going to have good seasons, you're going to have bad seasons, but you got to plant seeds, you got to water crops, you got to pull weeds. And I think that it's a testimony to the faithfulness of this church that in a time that was extraordinarily stressful for so many churches in the United States, that we stayed strong and we were fruitful. We actually, we stayed steady and we even gained even like a couple people while we were just online. Like that's, that's crazy. And it's really beautiful and it's really wonderful. And I'm so grateful and I'm so glad because we're doing the work. We're pulling the weeds. We're tilling the soil. We're planting the seeds. We're watering. And there's going to be good seasons and there's going to be bad seasons. But this is a long game. Eugene Peterson, who is the guy who translated the message, or I guess you could say really, it's really more of a paraphrase, the message uh, version of the Bible, it makes it, uh, you know, it's fresh, it's nice. It's, uh, every now and then, it's, I, I really like to look at the message, especially for devotional life. It kind of, you know, it's a little bit interpreted for me, right? But it's in language that's a little more accessible uh, for me to read the message version of the Bible. Eugene Peterson, he, he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And it's all about this idea that the Christian faith, the walk of following Jesus with your whole life, is a long obedience in the same direction. It's, it, it takes a long time. If you want to see fruitfulness, if you want to see good things that God wants to do, a lot of times you won't see them in five minutes. And I felt like this was a message that just kept on being uh, prayed into me, and, and so much encouragement came to me through people who were giving testimony and talking about, you know, we practice Christianity. It's not something that we perform. It's not like one game that we prepare for, and then we show up, and then we win or we lose. No, this is a practice. This is a thing that we do over and over and over again. This is something that we're always doing. We're always working towards coming to know Christ better. We're always 
confessing our sins. We're always getting forgiven for those sins. We're always encouraging one another and building each other up. We're always praying for the sick. We're always serving the poor. We're always reaching out with good news and invitations to experience God's goodness and his power and his presence. We're always doing these things, and it is a long obedience. It's a walk. It's longer than a marathon. It's a journey, and we'll have to take some naps along the way if we're going to make it. And I just think that it's important to remember that even as we let this scripture speak to us. And so this is uh, from Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 15. This is kind of, I think, maybe the main passage for us to hear today. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. Just as, as just has been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And the author of Hebrews, he, she, who, who knows exactly who the author of Hebrews is, but uh, the author of Hebrews is, is quoting Psalm 95 here. And Psalm 95 is about this story in the Old Testament where uh, Moses is leading the people out of Israel, uh, or uh, to Israel rather, the, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Moses is frustrated uh, and, and the people are, are rebellious and, and, and Moses says, come on, let's go. We need to take the promise. We need to go into the promised land. And the people say, we don't want to go. It's too hard. The battles are too intense. The enemy is too strong. And we don't believe that God will be with us. We've been suffering in the desert. Where is this God? Forgetting everything that God did. All the plagues, all the signs and wonders, all the supernatural power that God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, they, they don't trust that and they say, forget it. And so they call that place Meribah, the place of rebellion, the place of weeping and mourning because that people didn't trust God and they didn't follow God into the, into the promised land. And so a whole generation had to pass before God could fulfill his promise to bring the people into the promised land. And so we don't want to harden our hearts. We don't want to be people who get discouraged. We don't want to be people who quit right before God is about to do something. And the truth is, is that most of the people that you meet in your life, including the person that you look at in the mirror when you wake up in the morning, are tired. Most people uh, get weary doing good. It is the natural state of the human heart to get exhausted, to get depressed, to get hopeless, to get to feeling compassion fatigue, to get to feeling like 
Does any of this matter? Does, it, does any of my effort matter? Does it, does it matter that I'm being patient with my kids? Does it matter that I try? They never seem to grow. They never seem to care. And the truth is, is that we all need encouragement. Every one of us. Every one of us needs someone to come along and recognize, to celebrate, to see the faithfulness, to see the good work that we're trying to do, to, to, to come alongside us and to say, don't give up. Don't get weary. Don't stop loving God. Don't stop loving your spouse. Don't stop working through the conflict. Don't stop trying to be a better teacher, a better employee, a better husband, a better wife, a better daughter, father, mother, friend. Don't stop. Don't give up. Stick with it. That's something that I have needed to hear so many times in my life. I've needed that voice of encouragement. That voice that's saying, you haven't failed yet. Stay with it. Faithfulness is the journey. Faithfulness is the game. Obedience to God is success. That's what it's about. And just because it's not going the way that you want it to, just because you're not seeing the fruit that you want to see, doesn't mean that you won't in the future. And that God isn't with you in the work of bringing in the harvest. We all need encouragement. And we all need to experience celebration. And that's why it's important in a community that's trying to work out this long faith, this long obedience in the same direction, that we are free with encouragement to one another. It's important that we encourage each other every day. Today. As long as it's today. As long as it's right now. That's always, right? Like, it's all, all the time, right? Like, all the time. I always need encouragement. I always need somebody to give me an attaboy, to, you know, swap me on the butt and say, good game, keep going, you know? To stay in there, to say, let's, let's stick with it. Let's be the people who do this forever. I get tired, and I get leaky, and I need to get refilled. And that's why I take time and I try to prioritize going to these conferences, man, because it's, I find that I get really encouraged that I go and I hang out with other people who are doing the same kind of thing I'm doing and they've prayed for a lot of people and a lot of those people haven't been healed. But they've got a story or two of the time when God did show up and, and something did happen. And they've, they've worked for justice and they've tried to help a lot of people who didn't really want to be helped. But they've got a story or two of the person that was ready to receive that, that was ready to be impacted and changed and grown up. And they've got stories of, of churches where people a lot of times don't love each other, where people don't get along and they don't work in a healthy way through conflict and they don't help each other out and they don't stick with each other when things get tense or when things get hard or when there's political division or when there's disagreement over what justice is. But they've also got a few stories of people who have stuck around and who are faithful. And I need those voices in my life. I need people who've been through what, I'm, what I've been through. I need people who, who, who have gone through some pain, who have stuck with it to say, don't give up. Be encouraged. Stick with it. And that's what church, so much of what church is about. We're to keep the feast. We're to be people who keep the party going. I, I heard someone talk about, I, uh, one of the sessions that I went to was a woman named Melanie Forsyth. She's a vineyard pastor. She's just an amazing story. Um, pastors this church and, 
uh, conservative part of the country where, you know, she kind of gets, she gets the full brunt of people saying women shouldn't be pastors and God bless her for sticking with it. But she's talking about the prodigal son, right? You, you've heard this story. Jesus, has a man, or Jesus tells his sons and one says, I, I wish you would give me the money now. Runs off and he wastes it all on just whatever, garbage. Uh, and he kind of comes to his senses and he says, you know, maybe I could go back and I could work for my dad. Maybe he'd hire me as an employee. And as he's coming back, the, the father runs to him and throws his arms around him, puts the robe on him, puts his signet ring on him, says, you're mine. Says, let's throw a barbecue. We got a party. We got a party hard, right? But I think where a lot of churches are at right now, where the church at large in our moment in culture right now is where we're kind of in that place of being left, right? And not altogether unjustly. There's a lot of garbage in church. And we've seen that. We've seen that on full display. Like January 6th, you see people wear, waving Jesus flags and building gallows. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand how people who worship a man who was executed by the state can build gallows. I just don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. But the hypocrisy and the compromise of the church has been laid bare in very public and humiliating ways. And it's not wrong to be dissatisfied with that. It's not, it's not wrong to ask some questions and to say, well, what, what really is real? What's really going on here? But the church is, in many ways, people are leaving. People are not sticking around. People are leaving the farm. And there are options for, for the father, right? The father could go with his son. He could say, yeah, forget it. Forget this farming thing. Let's go. Come on. I actually know some really good towns to party in. Or there could be, there could be space for the father to say, well, well let's, let's change the farm. You know, we'll change the farm. Uh, we'll, make it, we'll make it easier for you to work here. You know, in fact, you don't have to work here. You can just, you can just be served here. You can just, you can just, uh, you don't have to participate in the, in the harvest. You don't have to participate in the work. Or maybe what a lot of churches are doing is saying, all right, well, we're just going to lock you in the basement. And uh, so you can't leave, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you here against your will. But what does the father do? The father in that story, he, he gives the son the inheritance and he lets him go. He lets him go and with tears, he, he lets him leave. And he stays and he works the farm so that the kid can have a place to come home to. We're to keep the feast. That's our calling as a church. And so we need to be people who celebrate God. This, uh, this meal that we try to make central, that we try to keep in the middle of our, of our worship, of our practice of of following Jesus. It tells the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, his body broken, his blood poured out, uh, the, the new wine of the new covenant that happens in his resurrection. And we try to tell that story and we try to remember that story and we try to keep that in the center. We try to keep that in the middle because this is, this is the great Thanksgiving. This is the party that's been going on for 2,000 plus years, right? So 2,021 years, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I can't remember if Jesus was born in zero or one or whatever. It's about, it's about 2,000 years, right? So, so, so we are part of this thing that has lasted through empires rising and falling. We've been, we're part of this thing that has been part of waves of the Holy Spirit where God has been moving and where supernatural power is is flowing through his, through his community. People are being healed. Lots of people are being saved. Lots of people are coming to Jesus. 
and they're, you're part of this thing that has stayed faithful and walked out a path of faithfulness through times of stagnation and hypocrisy and lots of people falling away. And we're called to celebrate God's work. And here's the thing, you know, if you put your hope in me or my wife or this church or some movement of churches or some speaker or charismatic personality, your hope is in vain. Uh, I will let you down. This church will let you down. We're, we are human. We're just people. We're just people. We're going to screw it up. We're, gonna, we're not just going to step on your toes. We're going to like stab you a few times. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, <laughs> hopefully not on purpose, but I don't know. And if you're married, you know what that's like, right? You know what it's like to be with a person who uh, is, is far less than perfect. And that's why our primary allegiance and that's why our primary celebration, that's why the primary thing that we do has to be to celebrate and remember God and what God has done on our behalf and to direct our attention toward him and to look to him to fulfill us and for him to encourage us again because he's the only thing that we can count on. But we can count on him. Death cannot hold him. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is that though he was killed, though by every human measure it looked like he failed in his mission to redeem and restore his creation, to bring God's reign and his rule and his government to the earth, it would look like that he failed. But the reason we hang that instrument of torture and death and brutality up on the wall is because it has no power. Because though he was crucified, he is resurrected and he lives. And that same power is available for us. And we ask him to be. And we ask him to come and encourage us when we ask him to come and build us up. We're to keep the feast. And he is our ultimate reason for hope. In that, God gives us words of encouragement and life to build each other up, to encourage each other as we continue on this path. And this is something that I think is maybe easy to overlook, I think that sometimes we get a little bit we get a little bit ambitious. We think, oh, you know, whatever. They're family. They're doing fine. They don't need anything from me. You know, that that person's a mature Christian. You know, I've known them for years. Whatever. They know I love them. But I just want to remind us of how we all need that encouragement, right? We all need somebody to say, "Ah, boy, ah, girl, stick with it." And I think it's important that we remember to stay intentional about encouraging and building each other up. You see somebody doing a good job, let them know. Somebody blessed you. Somebody did a great job leading worship. You know, let them know. Phil, like, you did such a great job leading the congregation this morning, man. You led us into the presence of God. And Carol was at this little workshop, and they were talking about, they were saying, what's the most important instrument for a worship leader to play? And the answer is the congregation. The answer is the people singing. And you led us. You led us into the presence of God. You played us well this morning, sir. You, you, took, you helped us connect with God. You got us to sing to the Lord in worship and adoration. And that is beautiful service. And I thank you. Thank you, worship team. And so many, so many often in, in recent history, we haven't had teams. We've had you know, one person up here, right? We've had one or two people maybe leading us in worship. And I just am so grateful for the ways that you serve. I'm grateful for the ways that people show up every Sunday at 8.30 or 9 in the morning to put out signs and to make coffee and to teach the kids and to, to be 
here and just to pray for each other before we get started, to experience God together and hope and to invite God's presence, to say, Lord, we can't do this without you. Whatever we do without you is pointless and, and a waste of time. God, we need you to show up. We need you to be in our midst. And I am so grateful for the ways that so many people faithfully serve in this community. And it's important that we call that out, that we recognize that in each other, and that we're free with encouragement to each other in the ways that we serve faithfully because it is so easy to grow weary in doing good. It's so easy to think, man, is anything really going on here? You just have to keep throwing the kindling on. And finally, I would just say it's also good and important to encourage anyone you see doing good. Anyone you see doing something that remotely, you know, kind of reminds you of the work of God. When you see good going on in the world, then call that out. Let people know, hey, you're doing good at that. Hey, thank you for the way that you did a good job with that thing. It really helps me when you do a good job. And you just, you know, you're, you're the kind of person who always does a good job, and I just appreciate that about you. You know, you've probably heard it said from somebody in this kind of a position that I'm standing in today that it's your job to go and straighten people out, to call people to repentance, and to tell them that they're sinners that need, you know, that they're sinners in the hands of an angry God, and they need... They need Jesus for salvation. I'm not saying that we don't all need salvation. But I just don't know that that might be the place to start. I think what's probably needed a lot more uh, with weary people, with people who are very aware of their failures, with people who are depressed, with people who are sick and hurting, with people who are frustrated because uh, they live in a world that is full of reasons to not have hope, I think maybe what those people need might be some encouragement. And it might be okay for believers in Jesus to be good news and to have good news to give and to say something kind, to say something encouraging, to recognize what's good in people, to recognize the ways that they're not giving up, the ways that they're not failing, the ways that they are bringing life and healing into their communities, even if they don't know the Lord. And that's okay. That's not wrong. It's good. We need to do that a lot more. If we're going to be winsome people, if we're going to be people who have the fragrance of Christ, who bring a levity, who bring hope into the places that we inhabit, we need to be people who call out the good in others, who recognize it and celebrate it and say, hey, I see you. I notice that you're doing a good job. I notice that you're being faithful in the tasks that you've been trusted with. And it's good that you continue in them. And I just want to say, keep going. Could I pray for you? Could I ask God to encourage you more? Could I ask God to give you strength to keep going? Could I ask God to bless what you're doing? That's a good way to be in the world. And it's something that we can do for each other and that we can experience today. So would you stand? This is the time that we take to experience God. And I want to just invite people, maybe it's been a while since you have prayed for somebody or you've received prayer. And I just want to say, if that's, if that's you, if you can't remember exactly the rest, last time that you received prayer ministry this morning, I just want to invite you to, to step forward and, and somebody will come up and put their hand on your shoulder and just ask how they can pray for you and encourage you and build you up. God doesn't want you to grow weary in doing good. And one of the first things that we have to do is that we have to admit that we need God to encourage us. 
And so if, that's, if, you're, if you're a person who just hasn't received encouragement in a while, uh, I would just say, come forward, get, get prayer this morning. And then I would just also say, if you're kind of feeling a little bit tired, if you're kind of like worn out, uh, the Lord wants to encourage you, wants to build you up. And so I'd say, come, come get that. Uh, I would also just say, uh, I've gotten a lot of faith for healing because I've seen some of that happen recently. Um, and so if you've got any kind of a physical need that you would like God to, uh, to, to heal, uh, particularly uh, maybe if you are experiencing back pain this morning, and I know that's like the most general call out, uh, but I just get, I kind of have like maybe like a little bit of a sympathetic pain. I feel like uh, it's like right in between the shoulder blades. Um, if you've got pain in that area, I believe the Lord uh, is capable and uh, able to heal. Uh, and I've actually seen that happen uh, a few times. And so we'd love to pray for you. If any of that stuff resonates, or if you just want prayer for any reason, we just ask you to step forward. Someone will uh, come up, they'll put their hand on your shoulder and just ask how they can pray for you. And um, we'll see what the Lord does, right?